Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we're going to take a look at a couple of different guys that you've seen in the news here in the last week. Uh, They were in the news for very, very different reasons, but uh, we're going to look at some of the things in their lives and some of the things going on with their current circumstances and then try to see what we can glean and learn from those things. So we're going to be talking about the late John McCain, and we're also going to be talking about the Ohio State football coach, head coach, Urban Meyer. Okay, so um, again, we'll, we'll talk about one, then we'll talk about the other, and then we'll kind of bring them back. So obviously, I feel it would be best to start with John McCain. So over the weekend, if you're listening to this on time, on the 25th of August, 2018, John McCain passed away. He was just four years shy of his 82nd birthday, and he passed away, unfortunately, because of brain cancer. So um, we had seen earlier in the week that he had foregone further treatment, and that he was no longer going to be um, receiving any more treatment, and that he was basically uh, okay with where he was going to be going. So I know that there are a lot of really good tributes out there right now for John McCain. I mean, literally just Google John McCain and there's some really, really fantastic ones, even from places that you wouldn't assume he would get those. Uh, so, but I don't really want to do that here. I don't want to have like a big long thing because I've seen it done so well by other people already. So I don't really want to reinvent the wheel, but for some of you, I either want to introduce John McCain to you. I mean, most of us know who he is, but reintroduce some uh, very special things about this man's life. So this was a guy that was a, a Naval Academy grad in 1958, and then he went straight to Vietnam uh, pretty much after he got out of the, uh, the Naval Academy, uh, not right after, but he, he went to fight at Vietnam. He was a pilot. Um, he almost died a few times, but then he was shot down in Vietnam in 1967. And this is one of the things that he's most known for is that he was a prisoner of war and he was a prisoner of war for six years. So um, this was a guy that was tortured regularly during that time, uh, you know, was tortured so that they would give up information on troop movement or how they were setting up or what the Americans were thinking. Um, and a lot of the torture that John McCain suffered over over the time that he was a POW in Vietnam, um, it resulted in him having some physical issues and there were some handicaps that he had really for the remainder of his life. You know, this is a guy that fought off, you know, multiple crazy injuries from the beatings and torture that he took, dysentery, all, all kinds of crazy things. But, you know, obviously we, we got him back, we got him home. And one of the things that he did, one of the first things that he did is he went into public life. He went into politics. So he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 1982. And then uh, just five years later, later he was elected to the United States Senate in 1987 and that's where he served until his death uh, just this year so um, and a lot of people remember him because he won the Republican nomination in 2008 he he narrowly missed out on getting it over George W. Bush in 2000 uh, they had a really heated back and forth uh, but George W. Bush eventually won that and then of course won our uh, you know, was elected president twice in a row in 2000 and then 2004. But in 2008, um, he, uh, we're talking about John McCain. He, he lost to Barack Obama. Uh, it wasn't exactly a close, uh, victory for Barack Obama. It was a fairly widespread victory. Um, one thing I do want to point out interesting, just as like a little weird caveat, John McCain is, you know, people get really schizophrenic <laughs> whenever they think about John McCain and in, in terms of their support or respect for him, because this was a guy that some of the same people, mainly people on the left, but uh, he was seen as, you know, a baby killer whenever he went to war, when he went to Vietnam, but then he was seen, you know, as a hero uh, after he was freed from the POW camp. And then he was seen as the enemy throughout his entire political career because he decided to be a red candidate. Um, and even whenever he was going up against Barack Obama, they just destroyed him. But now he's seen as, you know, the, you know, the, the, the big, 
American hero Maverick in his death. So it's kind of interesting. But um, there's a lot of people that have given tributes, as I've already mentioned, and, and I may uh, share some with you guys some on our social media. But the tribute that I thought was the most poignant uh, and the one that I thought was the best so far was from his daughter, Megan McCain. So uh, Megan McCain is obviously gotten into politics a little bit uh, on the news side and on commentary uh, and she's you know been in hot water here or there but she's always been been for her dad and her dad's always been for her and they, they seem to have a, a very special relationship and actually what she posted on her Twitter her comments um, seemed to go viral up to this point I think of, as of the recording of this podcast there were almost 400,000 likes uh, and like 60,000 retweets of this so I'm going to go ahead and just read that it's short I just want to read that it's in, in its entirety because I feel like it was a very very, very good tribute to her father. So here we go. My father, United States Senator John Sidney McCain III, departed this life today. I was with my father at his end, and he was with me at my beginning. In the 33 years we shared together, he raised me, taught me, corrected me, comforted me, encouraged me, and supported me in all things. He loved me, and I loved him. He taught me how to live. His love and his care, ever-present, always unfailing, took me from a girl to a woman and he showed me what it is to be a man. All that I am is thanks to him. Now that he is gone, the task of my lifetime is to live up to his example, his expectations, and his love. My father's passing comes with sorrow and grief for me, for my mother, for my brothers, and for my sisters. He was a great fire who burned bright, and we lived in in his light and warmth for so very long. We know that his flame lives on in each of us. The days and years to come will not be the same without my dad, but they will be good days, filled with life and love, because of the example he lived for us. Your prayers for his soul and for our family are sincerely appreciated. My father is gone, and I will miss him as only an adoring daughter can. But in this loss and in this sorrow, I take comfort in this. John McCain, hero of the Republic and to his little girl, wakes today to something more glorious than anything on this earth. Today, the warrior enters his true and eternal life, greeted by those who have gone before him, rising to meet the author of all things. The dream is ended. This is the morning. So I thought that was a very poignant and very good tribute uh, to John McCain from his daughter. And like I said, I I definitely encourage you to go and check out some of those things. But, you know, this is a guy, um, John McCain, that I've I've watched in his political career, obviously very unique. I mean, how many guys were POWs and then, you know, were almost the president of the United States? I think we can count them on one finger. So uh, that's that's kind of one of those things. he did a lot of things in his career I didn't agree with. There were a lot of stances he took that I was just like, man, why are you doing that? Like, he went outside of the party lines a lot, and that's how he got his nickname, Maverick, right? Because he would just kind of do his own thing. Uh, and there were times when it would seem like he kind of held up the Republican Party and, and the entire country at times. And I didn't always think it was the best thing for the party or the country. But he, he always kind of operated with what what he wanted to get across and, and he thought he knew the right thing and what would be best and you know that's kind of the thing man is is even if you're a huge fan of any politician they're never going to always do the right thing in your eyes. They're always going to let you down and they're always going to disappoint you. But the thing about it is, is even with all his warts, you know, this, this seemed to be a very great man, very well-respected man. Even the people that just vehemently disagreed with him politically, they seemed to still like him. It was just kind of one of those things that was very interesting. You know, uh, it's it would have been very interest, interesting to see if he had never ran for president, how he would have been viewed by most people. They probably would have adored, adored him anymore. 
because he went up against, you know, the, the modern left's favorite person ever, Barack Obama, the God King, right? And so if he had never gone against them, you know, there would probably be even more people giving him tributes now. But really, really a stand-up guy in a lot of ways, and there's just a lot to learn from him about what it means to be a man. And then we have Urban Meyer. So obviously a lot of guys out there that listen to this, you are college football fans, just like I am. Um, And the funny thing about the controversy surrounding him is it seems like a controversy that has huge college football implications, right? Like that's how we were always all thinking about this along these lines. But if we dig a little bit deeper, this controversy kind of shows one of the huge problems of the depraved human heart. Right. And we'll get into more about about what that means uh, here in a little bit. But ultimately, what we're going to be looking at is, you know, with with the things that surrounded this situation, where were all the men? Where were all the people standing up uh, for the rights of people that maybe couldn't defend themselves? So some of you I know don't know what I'm talking about at all. So let me just kind of bring you up to speed. So in July of this year, so July of 2018, there was a very abrupt firing of an Ohio State assistant coach. He was the wide receivers coach. His name was Zach Smith, and he was fired by Coach Urban Meyer. And this was after Smith had violated a civil protection order or a restraining order uh, against his now ex-wife, Courtney. Um, And Smith is a guy that's been with Urban Meyer for a long time. I mean, he's been on Urban Meyer's staffs at the University of Florida and Ohio State for, I think it was 11 years or something like that. So this is a guy that, you know, it was kind of seen as Urban Meyer's protege. So, I mean, he was making over $300,000 a year uh, to be an assistant coach and director of recruiting. So very, very in tight with Urban Meyer. Um, But the firing came on the heels of multiple domestic violence allegations uh, against Smith. uh, That was from 2009 to 2015. Um, This was reported by a guy uh, named Brett McMurphy on his Facebook fan page. So that Brett McMurphy is not a huge name. It's not like he has millions and millions of followers. But it was very interesting that uh, whenever he broke the story, Brett McMurphy, that is, Ohio State's uh, initial uh, response to this was that, oh, this is a personal matter and the university doesn't normally uh, make comments on personal matters. And then 10 hours later, they fired Smith. 10 hours later. So it seemed like some of these you know folks that kind of run the university and maybe the athletic department or all of them got in a room, in a war room somewhere and decided, oh, we got to get on the other side of this. Uh, and there's a lot of details uh, that follow from there. But the, the thing that was very telling about this is that this wasn't a rare occurrence, apparently, for this Coach Smith, right? Um, whenever he was first arrested for aggravated battery in 2009, he had beaten his his pregnant wife. Courtney was pregnant at the time that he beat her. And, and so it's kind of one of those things like this. This was a guy that seemed to have no issues roughing up his wife. Now, if you fast forward to Big Ten Media Days, this was on July 24th, Myers said that he knew about the incident in 2009, when, you know, Coach Smith had beaten his pregnant wife, but he pretty much didn't know about any of the other allegations thereafter. At which point I would have been like, and would that have mattered, Coach? Would that have mattered at all? This guy beat his pregnant wife. It doesn't matter how good he is at X's and O's or recruiting. He's gone. He's got to be gone. Like, he didn't trip, fall, and his fist land on the girl's jaw, right? Like, that's not how this went. Um, but it was really interesting at the time, and you could just smell this from a mile away. Ohio State did their own investigation of the matter, 
which how in the world could that go poorly, <laughs> right? You know, we have an internal issue. Let's investigate it internally because we're certainly going to be able to do that. But w- we all know this and everyone's going to pontificate about their opinions on this, whether you're, you're anti-Ohio State or you're an Ohio State fan and you make sure you say the Ohio State before you say their, their name every time. It doesn't matter where you're at on this. We know why they did the investigation their, themselves because no matter what they found, they could control the narrative. They could control what was going to be said and they can control what the punishment would be. So that's obviously why they did that. And, it, you know, it came out from the Ohio State report that Meyer, you know, had significant memory issues when trying to recall the things that went down between Coach Smith and his wife. Uh, there was also a reports that he may have deleted old texts that would have indicated that he did indeed know that this was not an isolated incident from 2009. But all this kind of led up, you know, we're sitting here for a, for a long time in here. I'm in smack dab in the middle of Sooner country down here in Oklahoma. And so all my friends that are OU fans are just jaw jacking back and forth. Like, oh, I really hope something goes down. You know, they're just looking at it from a X's and O's wins and losses standpoint. And they don't want to see Ohio State do well, which, you know, it is what it is. But this all leads up to last week whenever they had this press conference where they were going to announce their findings. And it kind of turned into an apology press conference. But the whole thing was a you know what show it was ridiculous like it was 30 minutes it was about you know and and it was just the the statements that were read by urban meyer were were very cold and obviously very calculated um they, they really weren't uh making any mention of the situation at all and even the athletic director everything seemed really really strange like it just the whole thing felt strange I remember people live tweeting it while it was going on and they're just like, man, this is so ridiculous. And then, you know, they announced that Urban Meyer was going to uh, be suspended for the, or take an administrative leave. Sorry, they, they made sure to not say suspended, but administrative leave for the first three weeks of the season. So uh, that would just basically the only tough team they were going to see in the first three weeks anyway was TCU. But, you know, the first three weeks of the season, he can't coach. He's not going to coach on the sideline or at practice or anything like that. And I think he had to give up six weeks worth of pay, which is literally a drop in the bucket for a guy like that that makes the kind of money that he does. But the thing I found very, very interesting is about 31 minutes into the press conference, I think the press conference was like 33 minutes long total or something like that, there was a journalist named Greg Amonti that asked what ended up being, in a lot of people's mind, the defining question of the entire press conference. And it was this, what message do you have for Courtney Smith? He asked this directly to Urban Meyer. What message do you have for Courtney Smith? And so this is Urban Meyer's moment, okay? You've read your, you know, your statement that was developed for you by a PR team and approved by the, the lawyers of the athletic department and everybody at Ohio State. Just go out there and read this. Don't add to it. Don't take anything away. Just read this. Take a few questions. Be vague and you'll be fine. But this was his moment. This was his moment to to own up a little bit to to knowing that, that something was going on and that he could have done more, but that he didn't. This is how he responds to the question. I have a message for everyone involved in this. I'm sorry we're in this situation. I'm just sorry we're in this situation. I'm going I'm to read that again just in case you didn't all get it. I have a message for everyone involved in this. I'm sorry we're in this situation. I'm just sorry we're in this situation. And then he just stood there. Blank stare on his face. And, and like, here's the crazy thing is everybody obviously keyed in on that. 
Because he he could have really stood up for Courtney Smith, even though he didn't do it for years and years and years. He could have at least done it publicly, would have been better than nothing. But it was only after overwhelming outrage uh, that he wasn't planning to address Courtney Smith. And, you know, really his tone deaf message to her uh, did Urban Meyer apologize to Courtney directly. But he did it on Twitter two days later. So, I mean, it was just it was all PR nonsense and here's the thing the fans are they're not at fault in this situation but they got you know caught up in this they they caught up in it hook line and sinker for these guys the fans gathered for public rallies to support urban meyer and and there was overwhelming support for urban meyer on social media from buckeye nation and there were plenty excuses to go around like how could he have known is it his job to know all the the details of all of his coaches is his job to do this or do that and my response is pretty easy to that well yeah kind of like he can't know everything there is to know about these coaches, but it was pretty clear that he did know that one of his coaches was beating his wife. Like, what are you talking about, fans? But but here's the thing: is is kind of what we learned out of this whole thing with Urban Meyer. One of the things that I feel like we all learned again is that domestic violence still isn't that big a deal to most people. I mean, it's just not. I mean, if this guy can beat his pregnant wife and not be fired, like. What would he have been fired for? Like, just think about that. Like, child abuse? I mean, look at last week's episode. Would Urban Meyer have been, you know, just a younger version of Joe Paterno? Would he have protected this guy if he was molesting children, raping children? Would he have done that? Like, I mean, we don't know. But, I mean, domestic violence just isn't that big a deal, apparently. Well, he didn't kill the baby that was in the womb, right? Oh, he didn't beat her up where she had to go to the hospital, as if any of that stuff matters, like in order to make it worse or better. You know what I mean? And another thing I feel like we learned is, you know, basically if all else fails, guys, just misremember, you know, just have issues with your memory. This seems to be a growing excuse that a lot of so-called men are using when they get into trouble or get into issues is, oh man, I just, I don't quite remember that. I don't really recall. You know, you know, I wish I knew, but I just, dadgummit, as I, when I'm sitting here thinking about it, I just, I just can't really recall. It's just that over and over and over. But, but here's the main overarching issue of the Urban Meyer situation. And this is as clear as day. Winning is everything. It is everything. And I'm not saying anything that a billion people haven't already said before me, but, but guys, Ohio State was 12 and two in 2017. What if they had gone six and six and lost their bowl game? Would would Urban Meyer have been, you know, let go completely? Probably. Let's say Urban Meyer had a couple of bad seasons in a row, just not Ohio State, the Ohio State type seasons, right? But no, he was 12 and two. You know, he he was in the, you know, the Big Ten Championship game. I think they went to the Cotton Bowl, they smoked USC. Like this was, this was a good season for that team. And they got another good team here. Like coming into the season. I mean, what if Urban Meyer wasn't a three-time national champ? Like what if the 2018 team didn't look very good? Like like what if the 2018 team like had to play, you know, two top-ranked opponents within their first three games? You know, maybe an out-of-conference opponent and maybe somebody else. You know, what if they had two really, really tough games? Like think about the differences in all these different situations. In some of these situations, it would be like, yeah, he'd definitely be gone. But in other situations, it's like, oh, we're going to do all we can to keep him here. But that's that's just kind of what we saw in this situation is that Ohio State, the Ohio State Athletic Department, the football program, Urban Meyer, there were so many people found at fault here. And 
I have to put the blame on Urban Meyer here because it was pretty apparent from the evidence that we saw that he did know. Like, he clearly knew about the one in 2009, which should have been enough to tell him about who this Coach Smith was, but then he just kept the guy around. You know, this this woman apparently reached out to other wives of other coaches, and it just apparently didn't make any difference. The, the guy knew about it, and he said he said nothing. You know, maybe he gave the guy a pep talk at some point and said, hey, you know, maybe don't leave bruises or something like that. But I mean, he could have done some done something and he didn't. He was just very, very cowardly about the whole thing. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate because here's the thing, guys, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't care if Ohio State wins every game or loses every game this year. It's not going to affect my life in any way whatsoever. I love watching college football, but I don't live and die with any team within college football. OK, but the thing about it is, is at some point somebody's got to take ownership of this. And it's clearly not Urban Meyer and not the Ohio State. But as we kind of bring these two guys together, I want to look at a little bit of a comparison. And this is going to be a fairly haggard comparison between John McCain and Urban Meyer. But I just want to look at the, the things that I feel like we learned about these two guys uh, as you know they were both in the news this week. And the first thing, it seemed that McCain always tried to do the right thing and that Meyer always tried to build the right team. So for McCain doing the right thing, you know, he was going to do the thing that he felt was right. This was a man that, as far as we can tell, was was a Christian man, and he tried to operate that way. And, you know, what he might consider to be right may not be the actual right in every situation. But it seemed like this was the type of guy that would labor through a decision to try and do the right thing. And he wasn't without his controversies throughout his career, guys. So don't tweet me that one time when he said this or that one time when he approved that law or whatever. I, I don't really care. But he really did try to do the right team, the, the right thing. But but Meyer is a guy that's just trying to build the right team. Obviously, this coach Smith was a, was a talented coach and recruiter. I mean, to be with a guy like Urban Meyer for over a decade, it would have been really implausible to assume that that he could get by and do those different things if if he wasn't a good coach, like if he didn't have an effective skill when it came to recruiting. And so here, Urban Meyer is he's just trying to build the right team, guys. He's trying to get the right guys on the team that that can recruit for him and can take care of the positions and make sure that the the team is prepared, like regardless of what the right thing is. Because I'm just sitting here saying that in, in 2009, if Urban Meyer found out that this had happened with one of his coaches and fired him, are you telling me that Urban Meyer couldn't have found a really good replacement for this guy? Do we really think this Coach Smith was some sort of gift to football coaching? I mean, football coaches to a certain degree are a dime a dozen, but even when you get into the upper echelons, it's those coaches that can demand the best assistance. Like Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and Bob Stoops when he was still coaching and these types of guys, like they could get whoever they wanted. It's just by virtue of their long success, guys wanted to be around him. You know, look at Bill Snyder, look at his coaching tree that's come from him. He could have gotten other people, but again, he only cared about the right team. And another thing that I wanted to look at here is that McCain fought for decency and Meyer fought for W's. And I guess we'll still be fighting for W's. So one thing that we've seen a lot of people come up with, especially people that are on more of the left-leaning media, they always brought up this interaction with John McCain and this uh, old uh, lady at a rally that he was doing whenever he was campaigning against Barack Obama in 2008 so that he could uh, become president. And so this woman, it's basically... And it's kind of open for him. He's just kind of walking around this, you know, this stadium or this town hall or something like that. And, you know, people are just kind of passing the mic around and asking him questions or telling him things or whatever. And this old lady got up and you could just tell she was pretty ignorant about the different things. And she had read some really stupid things, but she was just like, look, I don't trust this Barack Obama guy. You know, he's an Arab. 
And then, you know, John McCain immediately starts shaking his head and he, you know, snatches the mic out of this old woman's hand. And this is exactly what he says. He says, he's a decent man, family man, citizen that I just happen to have disagreements with on fundamental issues. And that's what this campaign is all about. I mean, John McCain could have fed the flame, right? He could have just doused gasoline on this thing and been like, yeah, you know, there are some issues with this guy and he has some tendencies that, you know, would lend me to believe that he uh, has some, some uh, viewpoints that would be anti-American and blah, 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 and all these different things. But he didn't do that. In his estimation, Barack Obama was a decent guy, was a good family man, was a good citizen. And this is back in 2008. This is before we knew the things that came out about this man during his presidency. But he fought for decency. Because it was the decent and right thing to do at that point. And I, I can't imagine somebody on the right or the left, you know, crushing him for that. But this, this guy, Urban Meyer, he just wants to get the W's. Because the more you win, the more your self-grandeur grows, the, the more money you make. You're going to be able to demand more money if you leave, you know, in terms of the open market for coaching. You're going to be able to dem- demand more money because he's in one of the basically top five jobs in the country. He can certainly demand more money if he's there, but not if he goes six and six and loses a bowl game. Like he's not going to be able to do that. Seven and five and winning a bowl game, that's not going to get you a huge raise. That's going to get you bounced down the road. And this is a guy that's won everywhere he's been. Utah, won games. Florida, won games. Put together some of the best teams we've ever seen in the history of college football. Goes to Ohio State and pretty much does the same thing. I mean, he's just looking for W's. He wants to win the Big Ten and make sure he never loses to Michigan. That's all this guy's there for. And that's what he's fighting for. And you see this come out when you see a guy just blatantly lie to people at press conferences and different things like that. It's just like, dude, I mean, you're not fooling anybody. You're here for the W's. And the last thing I want to talk about here is uh, McCain was a maverick and Meyer was a coward. I mean, that's pretty easy, guys. I mean, John McCain, as we talked about a little bit earlier, he was going to go his own way, even if it bucked party lines and, you know, talking points and those types of things. And that's what he was going to do. He was going to try and do the right thing. And if he had to be the one guy sitting out there by himself, he would do it. I I remember hearing about him. This was early in the Republican uh, primaries for president in 2008. McCain was done. Like he was dead in the water. Like there was just no chance that he was going to win the nomination. And I remember hearing a story about him being in an airport and, and, you know, it's pretty much he just needs to announce that he's going to be stopping his campaign. And that would have that would have been it. And he just had the resolve at that moment. He was just like, no, that that's not who I am. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to see this through. And then, you know, a few months later, here he is, you know, across stage from Barack Obama doing debates. I, I mean, it was pretty incredible. This guy was a maverick and he, he wasn't going to be denied. But a guy like Urban Meyer, for all the things that he's done well, he he is clearly clearly a fantastic coach. He's a great program runner. He's all the things you would want in a football coach, right? But the dude's a coward. He could not bring himself to fire his assistant in 2009 after he beat his pregnant wife. It was a cowardly act because he, he thought you would think at this moment that, oh man, if I get rid of this guy, you know, he's got several recruits that are going to come here next year. And, you know, if I get rid of him, I might lose those recruits to LSU or Auburn, something like that. I just, man, I can't afford to do that. And, you know, uh, you know, he does a really good job as an assistant and, you know, he's always got his players ready to go on Saturdays and, you know, all these different things like that had to be the calculus that Urban Meyer had at that moment. Like he didn't have that black and white binary in his head where it was just like uh flow chart. Does he beat his wife? Yes. He's fired. Right. That would have been the best thing to do at that moment. But, but Urban Meyer, 
has basically defined his career by this. Because I can tell you this. Let's say Ohio State wins their first three games. You know, again, the only tough game they have is against TCU. Let's say they win their first three games. They lose maybe one Big Ten game. They win the Big Ten championship. They get into the playoff, and Ohio State wins the championship. Like, what's going to be the narrative? Like, it's not going to be Urban Meyer wins his fourth national title. It's going to be this. And if it's not, it certainly should be. Like, this should be the defining moment for Urban Meyer that he did not stand up for a woman that could apparently not defend herself. That even when she got the law involved, they couldn't help defend her either. This this animal, this crazy person, well, not crazy person, he, he's just an evil dude. He's not crazy. He's a, just a normal dude that thinks he can get away with beating his wife. I don't want to put him in a different category in your brains. Urban Meyer could have done something about that. Urban Meyer may have been the only person that could have done something about that outside of Coach Smith himself, right? But this is where we're at. So I thought it was very interesting. I I was thinking about splitting this episode into two because I I really wanted to give John McCain his due and I really wanted to just kind of rip Urban Meyer. But but more that I thought about it, I was like, man, both these guys are in the news at the same time. Like, let's talk about them and let's see how we can compare and contrast them. So hopefully that was good for you guys, all right? Before I let you guys out of here, we're going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. And specifically, we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So today, we're going to do some spiritual resilience. And so this is going to be completely off topic. But as you guys know, as if you've listened to this for any length of time, I love Matt Chandler, anything that Matt Chandler does. So uh, I just ran across one of his new version reading plans. And so there's a 13-day version reading plan. It's called James Faith Slash Works. And so I provided the link here in the show notes to that. But if you've got the version Bible app, just search Matt Chandler. I think he's got four or five ones on there. It's got like, a, you know, yellow and blue kind of a logo thing going on, but uh, it's really a fantastic thing. I'm about 10 days into it uh, of the 13, but it's it's super high quality. The devotionals are short, and then he's going through James, which is already a short short book. And then there's YouTube videos that kind of align with that. And if you're interested in the other things that he's done on James, if you go to his uh, church's website, they've got the kind of elongated versions of the sermons that he did on James just last year. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you listening this far into the episode. As always, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. If you use the hashtag Undaunted Life, we'll be sure to find your post and give it a thumbs up. If we deserve a five-star review, guys, please, please leave us one. And when you do so, make sure you leave a few sentences to let us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2018 and the beginning of 2019. So if you'd like me to come speak to your church, to your camp, to your company, whatever, hit me up, info at undaunted.life, info at undaunted.life. Our website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. You can check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links to all of this are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.